Hello, everybody, and welcome to another very special, we're going to say, off-roading spring episode of Ignite Radio Live. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, and we are delighted to be off-roading you. Off-roading them? They may be off-roading with us. Get on board! That's right. (laughs) Come on. Mud is flying. Terrain is awesome. It's adventurous. Yes. Tonight's going to be a great adventure because we're going to touch on some themes. We're going to kind of take a break from some really awesome interviews over the past weeks. We had an interview with the executive producer and writer Steve Dace of Nefarious and my good friend Father Darren Merlino, who was a theological advisor and actor on the set. When we interviewed them, we had not yet gone to the movie and um, were very moved by their story of the spiritual battle on and off the screen. So, excuse me, check that episode out, 375 at IgniteRadioLive.com. The week prior to that, we had Babylon Bee's Joel Berry. Yes. What would you like about that? Why should they check out episode 374? Oh. <laughs> I'm saying so I can <laughs> get a sip of numbers. my coffee. There you go. Yeah, check them all out at IgniteRadioLive.com. But Joel Berry, um, who was with the Babylon Bee, just it was a very moving uh, informative, fun <laughs> um, episode to listen to. I think he's just an, a very authentic man of God, um, and I love how he interwove um, his story mm-hmm. in with what the Babylon Bee is all about and uh, what's really at stake, and just that presence in culture today. And something that really um, st- continues to stand out for me. Uh, full disclosure. When I was checking out the Babylon Bees website this morning that had popped up in my email, um, I really have to step back and I don't know if this is good or bad, but is this a joke or is this real news? All right. <laughs> like legit. Like I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Is Okay, they're trying to be funny, but it's... Too close it's to reality. It's too close to reality. So it kind of grounds you a little bit, too, and makes you have a great perspective. But their hearts are in such a great place and are such a gift, I think, to this culture, um, having that Christian perspective. So, Joel, check it out, um, episode 374. Just a very, uh, again, authentic, good man of God. And if you're looking for a special date night with your wife that is impactful— Uh, And you want to pick a weekly night where you're going to do that. I encourage you, make it happen. Pick a night. Listen to one of our seven episodes in our seven-week Power Hour series. Mm -hmm. Now, we did that in Lent, but um, each week remains very consequential, a letter from Trinity that guides a married couple more deeply into our fundamental nature of the Trinity. And we had phenomenal speakers each um, week addressing one of the themes. So so is it a letter mm -hmm. from the Blessed Trinity? Yeah, I guess it's a little confusing isn't it? Each letter of the Trinity stands for something significant um, of our lives, of our nature. And for a husband and a wife to do that together. uh, So you could find that also Spotify or Ignite Radio Live, or if you want to see the visual version of this, massimpact.us forward slash power hour. So definitely encourage that as you just just described, love. Um, But I would also throw in there an option if you wanted to gather a few of your friends um, as couples to kind of experience that together and just get a great uh, discussion going. Very powerful. IgniteRadioLive.com. 
Yes, the award-winning, named last year as one of the top Spotify podcasts. We're very blessed by that to see this audience growing. So subscribe, click that bell if you're at Spotify, and help us grow this audience further. Um, We're so blessed by the comments of people who talk about how this is impacting their marriages and their families. And, you know, you might ask the question, what's unique about Ignite Radio Live? Just in a brief nutshell, it began eight, eight, nine years ago. Uh, We're going on our ninth year, and it began as an overflow of our Ignite programs that we were doing all over the Diocese of Toledo, these amazing evenings of encountering Christ before his the real presence of Jesus. And so much transformation uh, was taking place. Uh, Steph will say a word in a second about how we're seeing that resurrected um, as a call to action in in conjunction with uh, the pro-life movement. But anyways, that's where it began, and we were sharing stories, testimonials, local folks, folks, as well as national leaders. And I'll say there's a particular focus on the edgy things. There's a particular focus on not running away from the more challenging things of our call to live, to know Jesus personally, in our marriages, in our families, in our world. That's distinctive, I think, of our call is that hierarchy. Each one of those levels are very important. And it's just worth even saying, you know, all of us who are involved in activities, we may go to our men's group or our women's group. And it's worth asking the question, we are working on a book about this, by the way of what's the measure? You know, if we've been going to the same men's group every Sunday for years, what difference is it making? And I would submit that the measure would probably be best revealed by one's spouse and children. Is the home more place of authentic encounter? Are the lines of that road to eternity more clearly paved? Is the joy and delight of self-sacrificing love of Jesus made present? Are we looking at the things of the world, the many challenging things that, you know, you're reading about in the paper, you know, that are around us? We can't avoid, right? We're called to be in this world. Are we looking at those from the perspective of the Lord God in heaven? I might say in some, is a holy communion we receive correspond to a holy community we live. So all that to say, you know, that's what our movement is about. That's why we ask for your support. We're a full-time missionary movement. Donate, partner with us at ilovemyfamily.us. Please click that partner button. But the the, the radio program, that is what this is about. We're wanting to be honest. We're wanting to be real. And uh, at the heart of that, we're saying, Lord, you know, it begins with me. You know, I, Greg, need to have this personal prayer life. And I I need to grow deeper with this. And uh, so much of it's working, by the way, If I'm authentically countering Christ in this, it can't help but overflow. I can't help but desire to connect with my wife and my children and beyond that, to open the doors of our homes, to recognize that parishes are places of ever-deepening encounter. I just, I can't say it strongly enough because as we look at the world today, uh, the battle between really Satan and God's angels, God has no rival, he has no counterpart. As we look at the battle and the way in which we're fighting real presence versus artificial presence. That might be a way of punctuating. A lot of people are drawn with a deep desire for intimacy, for communion, and artificial offers for that, if you will, are deceiving many people through our phones, through uh, lesser things. But the premium, the gold standard, Christ revealed in himself. He took on flesh and blood to be really present to us, and he does so in his sacraments, um, certainly at church, and uh, face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball with one another. We are just so passionate about uh, ourselves, going deeper in that, and experience its transformation and inviting you to do the same. Um, since we're off-roading, I'm going to off-road a little we bit. We are way off-roading. <laughs> um, with that thought, so recently, 
Um, it was actually the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker, so May 1st, not that long ago. Um, we were blessed to have our son Joseph home with us and his dear fiance, Abby. Um, and that evening, since it was one of Joseph's feast days, he tries to claim as many as he can because we like to celebrate them with we're our children. We're celebrative people. Why not? <laughs> right? Um, uh, one thing that he had asked of us was that evening just to set all devices, phones, everything aside and just have time of reading together in the same room. And I think we may have had some music on the background for a little while, but then it was just very still. I think it was a cooler night. We had a fire in the fireplace, which was awesome. Although it was May, that wasn't awesome. <laughs> but um, it struck me that, wow, just, well, two things. One, to come together to be still in that way. Like, uh, obviously, everybody has stuff to do, right? And some of it is pressing and inescapable. But to make that choice, for me, maybe it's my, you call it raccooning, <laughs> all the little tasks that moms have to do. Um, Originated in a very funny way. It was one Christmas Eve. I got to get this in quickly. The kids were uh, asleep. And, and um, Stephanie was helping Santa Claus out. And uh, Grandpa, my dad was here. Parents were blessed to have them with us late at night. And so you heard all the wrapping paper, bags bags and all that sort of thing. So my dad gets credit for saying, what is that, a raccoon? So So, Greg affectionately, or maybe not so affectionately, picked up. Oh, it was very beautiful. (laughs) And actually, asks me about my raccooning. Another off-roading of an off-roading. We we were on a rare vacation, Stephanie and I, time away. I want to say it was our 10th or 15th. Anniversary. We just landed in Florida, and uh, and and, you know we had looking forward to this week together. Went from cold weather to the sunshine. It was so awesome to get off the plane and experience that heat. Got in our rental car, and as soon as we got onto the highway, we saw a huge roadkill of a dead raccoon. It was the largest (laughs) raccoon we'd ever seen. We took it as a message, and I was like, I think God's speaking to me, Greg. Let the raccoon die. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So anyway, um, one, just the uh, evident contrast in it being such a deliberate choice for me and perhaps for others um, of taking that time, like just complete stillness. Mm. You know, I mean, I think... It's a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. So for me personally, and this isn't to pat myself on the back, I... Um, I'll pat you on the back. Thanks. So for prayer time, I love that, right? Like that's that set aside time that I know... Um, is not just a luxury, but, you know, a necessity, right, to spend um, that time with our Lord. So in that way, but this is just in that normal part of life, as you say, you know, the Holy Communion becoming the Holy Community. So Mm. the fact that it was such a, I need to set everything else aside to just have this chill, unexpected, Mm. quieter, peaceful you know, time. Mm. So that challenged me, which was great because I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me in this? And even though there was no roadkill in the middle of our living room or anything, thank you, Lord. Spiritual roadkill of a good And then the other thing, just how much we make excuses, or I shouldn't say we, I'm going to claim all personal, personal pronouns, since pronouns are a thing, um, that I, um, 
you know, I think I'm not, I'm not like drawn to my phone all the time and mm. blah, blah, blah. But there's always a reason to check, mm-hmm. right? Like we always, have I always have, a, you know, oh, what if one of our kids, whatever, I'm going to see if, you know, our son at college who just took his exam, need, you know, just whatever. And so like the, the fact that that was like, wow, like it wasn't a struggle, but it was a mindfulness mm. of me not being able to check. And then, you know, there are other days where it's like I set it aside. I'm so glad when I forget mm-hmm. it. <laughs> right. But I think in some ways those are selfish because I dictate it. Right. So anyway, potpourri of thoughts of wonderful off-roading. We are tuning into Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. We're calling this kind of an off-roading episode after, again, some really marvelous interviews that are really current and worthy of your attention at IgniteRadioLive.com. We talked about this a little bit, but central to our movement um, is an answer to the question following any big event, any big program. It's the big question, now what? And um, we believe it is really marriage and family making our homes that kind of place. So Crescio, Chirp, Axe, fill in the blank. The question is, how are we taking that amazing encounter and that experience and understanding how those dynamics can be applied in a place that looks like our home, our kitchen, our floors, uh, our ceiling, our you know, with a with a rhythm and flow that is unique to our homes. So it's going to be different. One home is going to look different from another. But what does that look like? And guess what? We provide a tool for that that has been so powerful for all who have done this called a Live It Gathering Guide. You can find that at ilovemyfamily.us. By the way, at the end of this program, we're going to air just 20 minutes from our uh, Ignite 714 event that took place very, very recently that we want to do on a monthly basis. But instead of formally going through the Live It Gathering Guide, we're kind of capturing some of the elements. And so, Steph, I want to ask you a question. Then I know you're, there's something you want to dive in in a folksy level because in the Live It Gathering Guide, there are fun questions. You might call them icebreakers at the outset. So simple to gather your family together and to do these. You may want to go through all 50. They're really fun, especially for a road trip. But, you know, do a few as part of this gathering every week. And you'll want your kids will say, hey, let's do the Live It Gathering Guide thing. Anyways, this question that I'm going to ask you, Steph, is not on that guide, but it naturally flows from the conversation we were just having as we were, uh, as a family on Joseph's birthday uh, peacefully reading our books together as a family, a very oh, unique experience. Day. What book are you reading? Tell us about it. <laughs> that is not fair. <laughs> is this is this your way of shaming me? Into, no, it's a uh... <laughs> great book. I mean, Dominic's, well, I mean, it's kind of fun to talk about it too, right? Because our children are voracious readers and absorbers of good podcast content, and we're bl- very blessed that they share them. And when Dominic uh, shared this book with me um, three, four years ago, I just, I you know, absorbed it. It was a page turner for me called The Boys in the Boat. It's about the nine Americans oh, gonna, and their epic quest the for question. gold at the 1936 Berlin Olympics. But how's it going for you? <laughs> so, okay, this is we're just going to call the show Full Disclosure episode, maybe. Off-roading so and Full I Disclosure. So I love to read. And unfortunately, when those windows, when I choose to allow those windows to open up, it's at nighttime. And I, hmm. once I hit a certain time at night, especially... Um, up in our room, like I'm done, right? It's like a so, switch. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I feel like I get like three good paragraphs in, which is not enough to read a book. So You're some overstating. books take me much longer to read, and this is one of them. But I've committed, um, thanks to Joseph's feast day, of picking it back up and reading The Boys in the Boat um, 
as Greg just described. And it is really, there's so many levels to it, but just a beautiful, beautiful story. So I feel like I'm only 60 plus pages into it. So not enough to like give mm-hmm. you by, you know, great the full report exhortation on what it means. Um, but kind of a funny story with that was Dominic <laughs> bought it for me for Christmas a couple years ago. How long ago? I think two maybe years okay. ago. Just to give you context for that too. So I think the um, a few books before that that I read, um, one that was very noteworthy was Uncle Tom's Cabin. Mm. So good. You Grace had originally mm-hmm. like it's like her favorite book, right? And our daughter Grace and then Greg read it and encouraged me to read it. So powerful and so, so well written. The only time I was able to really get into it was when I was flying, when I was on the plane, right? So we had gone to help our daughter after she had her baby mm-hmm. and some different Florida. reasons for being on flights. And that was when I really had the time, took the time right. to really get into it. So um, Greg didn't buy that. I need to fly somewhere so I can finish Uncle Tom's Cabin <laughs> line. But the raccoon anyway, was dead in that moment. So Boys in the Boat, John, or Dominic gave it to me for Christmas. Or so he said. And so he was talking about something, and I was like, oh, that sounds great. And he said, Mom, he goes, I am not buying you another book until you read Boys in the Boat. Wisdom. And I'm like, well, I don't have it. And he goes, Mom, I gave it to you for Christmas. I'm like, now, again, full disclosure, I often forget things, especially in the swirl and whirl and more swirl of things. So (laughs) I'm the first one to admit, like, maybe... I don't remember, but I really don't remember. Like, I don't think that he. It doesn't gave help that they me. play the you, you are old senile parents card. I'm just saying, in so many words, right? Like, we, we have steel trap memories, and so we're the ones yes, we need to feel. Yes. So Dominic just kept Touché. insisting, and I'm like, I'm so sorry that I'm feeling horribly, right, about this, that I don't even remember this thoughtful gift that he deliberately and intentionally got, you know, for me. So. Literally, it had just come up probably for the seventh or eighth time over a span of months. And um, I'm like, Sounds like shaming, serious shaming going on there. I'm so sorry. Anyway, so kind of dropped it. Literally, I want to say a few hours after that conversation, he came down to the kitchen with this grin on his face (laughs) and a book in his hand, The Boys in the Boat. And he set it down in front of me and he said, I am so sorry. He goes... I guess I never gave it to you. I had it <laughs> hidden away, <laughs> and I just refound it. So I didn't. I just smiled. So I, said, to, I have to ask you a question because it came up in our home. This very popular term that has been used maybe too frequently: gaslighting. Is that gaslighting? Like was Dominic gaslighting you? I, I tend to use it uh, as, as shaming, but I don't know if that's an accurate description. So I think it has. I have no idea, so I'll admit. Moral shaming. <laughs> well, no, because my we'll look it it's up like you you first. distract from from your thing and you bring something else up. I think to shut them down. I've heard it explained to me when asked a handful of times, and I feel like I've never gotten the clear cut, consistent mm. answer. And I've even um, it's just a type of manipulation or something. Okay. Um, I'm going to read read this. I just brought it up. Gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which 
The abuser attempts to sow self-doubt and confusion in their victim's mind. Typically, gaslighters are seeking to gain power and control over the other person by distorting reality and forcing them to question their own judgment and intuition. (laughs) So actually, I would say he was... so He was gaslighting Yes, I don't think he was necessarily gaslighting you unless it went beyond insisting that his memory was correct to wanting to force upon you uh, self-doubt and all that. So I can't keep up with all the terms, and that's not even like a... I mean, we hear this one, right, in different newscasts and such um, commentaries. We do? But I don't. Okay, I do. You do um, what? Here, like, gaslighting is used often. But the uh, I can't keep up with the, the lingo, All the terms, right. <laughs> if you will, of right. our young people. And well, if I try to use them correctly, it's definitely the look of... You are too old to be using that phrase. So this is what I want to do. I want to proclaim the second reading because it jumps out at me right now. And then I want, in light of that reading, maybe that you and I talk about Nefarious, our radio program, episode 375. We had not seen the movie yet. So we have not on air talked about our experience with the movie. And I'm very interested for you to share with our audience about that. And, of course, that opened the door for me to connect with Father Carlos Martins, who's excuse me, behind uh, the very popular, fast-growing popularity, the Exorcist Files series. I would like to say a little word about that and uh, how these things, I think, are very consequential as we are looking today at a culture that is evidently embattled, God's children destined for relationship with him, the enemy stirring things up uh, somewhere along the spectrum of just, you know, influence to possession, all the way full-fledged possession. And uh, we see it happen in its greatest core uh, in that Genesis 1.27, the identity passage of man and woman, right? In his image, God's image, he made them male and female. Male and female, he created us. That is the most profound area of attack today. And gaslighting may be what Satan does best, causes us to doubt our true identity, to stir it up, and to cause unparalleled spiritual, emotional, physical destruction. We just need to claim that. So I'm going to proclaim this reading. We're going to go back to nefarious. So this is to enter into a moment of prayer of receptivity. This reading is from Peter's first letter. And by the way, this is this coming Sunday's Mass, the second reading. Peter says, the first pope says, by the way, I have to think, I always have to think this, one who denied Christ, the one mm-hmm. who has put your foot in your mouth, Peter, before he even started to follow Jesus. For anybody who wants to say, oh, that's that holy guy or Peter or whatever. No, we're talking about people who had powerfully transformed lives, who very much looked like you and me, who by God's grace and through their failure, God continued to pour forth grace in their lives to the point where now he is speaking so beautifully from the heart of God from this experience. So, beloved, he says, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. But do it with gentleness and reverence, keeping your conscience clear so that when you are maligned, those who defame your good conduct in Christ may themselves be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that be the will of God, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once, the righteous for the sake of the unrighteousness, that he might lead you to God. Put to death in the flesh, he was brought to life in the Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Nefarious stuff. Great interview, phenomenal interaction, new friend Steve Dace. Father Darren Merlino, spot on. 
you didn't know what you'd think. You kind of had some built-in concerns that this is going to be another horror exorcism of Emily Rose thing. Would you like to keep going for I'm me? just setting the stage. I'm <laughs> cueing you as, until I see it's that, like, okay, stage. I'm ready to go. That's my, that's, those are my words. So, yes. You take my words. I'll withdraw them. No, no, no. All good, all true, all beautiful. Um, so, correct. At that point, those of you who have listened or will listen, um, we had not seen the movie, and you had wanted to see it, and for various reasons, the um, time being certainly one of them, but the bigger reason was wanting me to go with you, and I had zero interest, Mm -hmm. right? So just, no, thank you. I know that Satan exists, and the... um, his influence and his presence and the Lord has victory. Our lady crushes the end of the serpent. Mm-hmm. I'm good. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like, okay, screw tape letters. I get it. You know? Mm-hmm. So for me, that's, you know, like the exorcism of Emily Rose was a phenomenal movie. Apparently I know what my soul can handle. And mm-hmm. I kind of put nefarious even in with that movie that has been considered very good and very powerful and somewhat, or not somewhat, but pretty accurate correct? I think so. Um, Some license taken more. So even good priests that we know and love, you know, were very much about that movie and the power of it and such. And so, um, you know, obviously never the movie The Exorcist or anything like that. So when we had done this interview, listening to Steve and Father Darren, I was like, oh, (laughs) like we need to go see this. Mm. And and part of it was um, perhaps the, the twist on marketing, as you described, that it was really marketed as a horror film, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. And it sounds it's like... It's not that. Let's just say that right out of the gate. Correct. Absolutely not that whatsoever. It's not that Exorcism whatsoever. Emily Rose or The Exorcist. Right. It's very much a modern screw tape letter mm-hmm. kind of thing. Now, there you know, there were a couple parts that I did choose to look away, mm-hmm. um, an execution scene and such. Um, to be honest, the more... Uh, What's a good word? <laughs> the, I don't even know. Provocative, stirring, St- yeah. Demonic um, yeah. were the previews prior mm. to the movie. I mean, just Of different movies. And yep. just sadness and unbelievable. How far our culture has gone. Yes. So, to glorify Satan, whether or not they know that they are pawns of his vision or view, hatred of God. Yes. So um, my take, if you will, it uh, I encourage people to go see it you know they again i started to say it's marketed as a horror movie and i think one of the intents in that or at least an effect of that is to reach people who normally wouldn't go (laughs) to a movie um such as this with a much deeper real message and challenge so um if I can sit through it (laughs) and i mean it's just very real it's very serious um you know, with some do things that we might, you know, like, okay, I mean, it's a movie, right? It's not going to be perfect. And, um, but so dive in a bit, like what, what, what in its structure? So folks, those of you who are listening and know nothing about it, the major setting is a man on death row and he is set to be executed that evening. And there's sort of a last ditch effort to get him declared insane, which would force to would stall or, or stop the execution. And so a psychiatrist is assigned to go and evaluate him. The psychiatrist is an atheist. He does not believe in God. So sitting across from this man, Edward, 
um, the voice coming out of Edward is very calm. You wouldn't know otherwise. He said, I'm, you're not speaking to Edward. This is nefarious, and proceeds to introduce himself as, if you will, the, the inhabitant of the body of Edward. And the conversation unfolds from there from a uh, supreme critic with all the wisdom and savvy of the world uh, and disbelief to question and press him and try to understand what's going on to, uh, again, nefarious and, of course, interacting a little bit like Smeagol. You get a little bit of this sort of like Gollum Smeagol back and forth thing going on with Edward. But the wisdom, the supreme preternatural genius, um, as Father Carlos Martin says, there are really three indications of one being possessed. You know, one is um, physical things, right, moving that, that don't make sense with physics. Two is a knowledge of languages. And three is knowledge of events or circumstances that that couldn't be known. Um, all, those th- all those things happen. Um, and are evidenced that caused the the atheist at least to open him up and become mindful. But most um, striking, go ahead, Steph. Oh no, go ahead. Well, finish. I feel like I'm in a railroad and just all, um, I is this is this intuition of the way in which the enemy lies and whispers to us, uh, ordinary human beings, and the, and why. God, and again, from their vantage, the demon's vantage, the enemy, as they refer to him as, again, a lot like screw tape letters, you know, because we're the beloved, because we are creatures, because we are so much lower in the ontological scale. We are not angels. We do not possess the dignity and beauty that God destined from all eternity for angels, but God, wow, created us lowly as we are, took on our flesh and blood, suffered and died for us, and the power of his self-sacrifice in the cross is is just so contemptible as beyond explication for the demonic realm. And their knowledge and genius to, to manipulate and deceive us into, again, degrees of, of um, becoming pawns, not, uh, instead of servants of God and instruments of God and living in beatitude and grace to reject that in so many ways. The acting... Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. The main actors, the um, Edward, and then the um, Oscar-worthy. Oh my god! Unbelievable. Gosh. Yes, yes. And then the psychiatrist, um, also very, very, very good. So top quality. And as we talked about in our interview um, with Father Merlino and Steve Dace, the they did not want to make this, you know, cheesy, if you will, Christian movie. I mean, it is top level. Um, there we go. Top level acting, top level production, just mm-hmm. the way that everything fell in place was evident that the Lord wanted this movie to be made. Um, so you asked me my critiques, if you will, which, again, above and beyond would recommend it. So well done. Um, Are they the, spoil alerts? Because, no, I'm not going to okay. spoil alert okay. anything. So the, um, yeah, just it, you you need to see it. And especially, I think, with young people. <laughs> How's that? Yes. No, I'm going to give you, I'm just, I'm like, do I go this way or do I go this way? Um, I mean, high school, I wouldn't go anything below high school for sure, right? Would you agree with that? I agree. Um, but the, um, in discussion with some people who had seen it, and I don't want to uh, spoil anything, so there's no spoiler alerts because I won't do that. Um but there was a hope, and I'm sure that there was a reason they didn't do this, but like that it was a much more clear-cut um, Jesus moment um, at the end. So mm. I don't know. I don't want to say much yeah. more than no, it's, that. It's, you definitely get the sense that there there's going to be a sequel. Correct. How about we leave it with that? So that led me uh, 
to become aware of. Others have recommended these movies. Thank you, Liz Strang in particular, and others in our very faith-filled community who we love, exposure to good content of any sort, and just what a great community when we can share these things and um, be forged in them and then have conversations, meaningful conversations about them. And by the way, if nothing else, this this raises some significant questions, self-reflection, understanding of the purpose of our church, our faith, the power of the sacraments, some very powerful moments and nefarious. So again, another of these type of uh, formative um, gifts, if you will, might be the Exorcist Files, Spotify, maybe other places. Um, these are actual real accounts from the, if you will, archives of Father Carlos Martins, who is an exorcist. His story itself is amazing. And I would particularly recommend, if you don't have time or aren't interested in going through through all of the, the, you know, the cases, if you will, just listen to the second case. There are two, uh, part A and part B, or part one and part two, of the second case. Uh, and why is it important? Why do I think it's valuable? Now, note there are some dramatizations, but they're, they're true to life, but it's mostly storytelling. In the second case, they talk about the movie The Exorcist, the real account of that exorcism, uh, and how close to to truth, if you will, the case that the movie actually was. They talk about um, Father's own conversion to uh, Christianity from atheism to Catholicism, a very uh, erudite, um, gifted intellectual who comes into the fullness of the Catholic faith and again becomes an exorcist. Um, But you have throughout this, this case unmistakable clarity of what's at stake the nature of the human person, the power of the sacraments, the very real power of sacramentals, small as sacramentals, um, the power of relics, the power of um, our homes being places of encounter, places of reverencing Christ, the awareness that, you know, we make choices and um, really kind of two terms that stood out and are woven throughout the series are, are the term of jurisdiction. Um, Satan has no jurisdiction over us unless we give him the second word, permission, unless somebody gives him permission. And oh, by the way, it, it's not simply, you know, one asks the, the enemy to possess him. It can come through small, seemingly benign, friendly forms as Ouija boards or, you know, palm reading or tarot cards or those sorts of things. Some of these cases talk about how that happened with even younger children. It happened at early parts of their lives and remained dormant. And they talk about how that can happen. I'll say it was significant enough for me that praying in the middle of the night, God just had me awake and I delight my early morning hours of prayer. I just, you know, I was moved to just say, Lord Jesus Christ, um, if there is any influence, lies that remain with me, any residual debris of having, you know, encountered a Ouija board as a child, which I did, you know, I renounce the enemy's influence. Right here and now, I renounce anything. And Lord God, I claim you as my own irrevocably, completely take me, fill me, flood me with your Holy Spirit. You are my Lord. You're my Savior. I want to live for you completely. Now, again, could it have been just in my mind? Who knows? You know, I didn't, by the way, experience anything epic when I did the Ouija board those few times as a child at some friend's house. Um, But when I prayed that prayer, I can say there was a palpable sense of a trickle that was maybe directing in the wrong place, shut down. I had a sense that there's some part in my soul that was rightly ordered to my Savior and my Lord. And I strongly encourage you, if you have experienced any of those things in your life, not to play games, to renounce the enemy. Again, jurisdiction and permission. Get to confession number one, right? Um, Father Carlos Martins makes this point very strongly. One confession is more powerful than a hundred exorcisms. 
One confession is more powerful than a hundred exorcisms. So they work as exorcists to try to get the person to recognize and renounce the enemy and to claim the authority of Christ. That's, that's really what it's all about. So that series is very powerful. Um, and just a little note, um, the difference between value, something having value for the sake of uh, greater knowledge to come into deeper relationship with Christ and his power and his love and his goodness versus just a fascination with this stuff, which, you know, obviously many people have like, oh, you know, like, I'm going to listen to that because that's cool. Or that's, you know, they have a draw to that sort of thing. That's not holy or healthy, in my opinion. Um, Nefarious, for example, for me, as much as I didn't want to watch it, there was a good in it um, to see the value, mm. like, and be reminded of the spiritual battle at stake um, in a much deeper, real way. So, again, value versus fascination. Folks, we are coming up on the conclusion of the Stephanie and Offroading part of tonight's program. In just a moment, we are going to play some highlights from our Ignite 714 event. What is that? Well, check it out at Ignite 714. We are partnering with all of those, which should be all of us, with the heart of God to see uh, love of life restored, the kingdom restored, particularly in Ohio, which is under attack right now by uh, formidable pro-abortion forces who want to see a law that would codify Roe and uh, take out of the hands of even parents um, any kind of um, consent for even 12, 13-year-olds getting abortions and sex changes. To be more clear, uh, if they have their way, 12-year-olds and 13-year-olds will be able to set, to decide to have sex changes and abortions without your consent as parents. And so the question turns to you and me, what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? We're telling you this right now, and we're asking you to please, please, please see how significant and consequential this time is. I can't repeat Bonhoeffer enough. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. We have to be engaged, and now is that season to rise. So Ignite 714 is based upon the scripture from Second Chronicles 714, which says to the Lord, to us, his people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Peter Range has really exhorted the faithful to pray this scripture at 7.14 a.m. and 7.14 p.m. to heal our land, for the Lord to hear this prayer so that this proposed amendment doesn't even make it to the ballot. Um, So we join in that prayer, and part of our contribution, if you will, are these Eucharistic um, events called Ignite 7.14. So... In this first one, just tell us what happened at this first event. So Peter, um, Peter Range came and gave a, a short little talk, um, kind of explaining what this proposed amendment is about and, mm. and what we can do to be boots on the ground. And then it kind of flowed into knees, knees on the ground, right, to come before the Lord in Eucharistic adoration. We had the burning bush. Many of our listeners know what that is, but a pyramidal structure. Um, where people brought forth their candles um, after kind of a self-evaluation or self-examination, if you will, of areas that um, they need to forgive and to be forgiven in and to renounce certain things. And mm. so the first part of the evening, the first movement, if you will, was really that personal call to holiness and healing, mm. which is 
so important and consequential to flow into the next part of healing our lands, of making that difference in the community. Um, Our son Joseph, we were blessed to have him with us, and he led very beautiful prayerful worship before the Lord um, with those intentions. So what is our hope, Stephanie, with Ignite714.com here forward? So we are um, hoping to do these monthly, again, in this purposeful petition um, for life, for family, in front of the Eucharist. So we're grateful to Monsignor Borger at Joan of Arc um, for hosting the first one. We're hoping to find a regular place um, to do them just for consistency and marketing purposes and so people aren't confused as to where to go but we're also very open um, if your parish would like to host one please contact us we've been encouraged to do these throughout the diocese and throughout the state of Ohio and in each diocese of our of our dear state um, to really be united in this Folks, we are so blessed that you chose to off-road with Greg and Stephanie <laughs> God bless Schleter. you if you're still hanging in there. Yeah, we're all over the place. There's mud on our tires, but it is good, right? It, it paved a path that united us all in some consequential things that are happening today. We directed you to IgniteRadioLive.com with some great interviews, again, on Nefarious Movie and Babylon Bee with Joel Berry, recent episodes. You can check those out again at IgniteRadioLive.com. At the heart, we encourage you to engage your marriage and family Weekly to doing this Live It Gathering Guide. It is an answer to the epic question after any event. Again, Axe, Crucio, Chirps, Life in the Spirit. What next? What now? What do we do? How do we live this? This is the moment made for making saints. This is a moment made for making saints, and this is a fundamental way we can renounce the influences of devices, right, and uh, enter uh, set-aside pixels for people. So join us at ilovemyfamily.us. That is the heart of our mission and our movement. That is our passion. We need your prayers. We need your support, and we do ask you to please partner with us. We have been praying for 50 new monthly partners over 90 days, and uh, that could be as low as 5 bucks a month, $60. I don't want to diminish that amount, but the the lowest contributor at five bucks is a huge gift to us um, that that um, that you are joining us in a regular way and praying all the way up to whatever, $500, $5,000. We've got big dreams, by the way. This is a nonprofit. This isn't going to us. This edifies the movement. This allows it to reverberate, especially with these significant things that are happening, right? I love my family.us. Click on that partner tab. Until next time, thank you so much for being with us. God bless you. God bless you. In days and days to come, the Holy One, your glorious, oh, yes, you are, heaven's treasure, Father's love. There are a few times throughout history when world events or events were of such a consequence that churches were filled. People who didn't ordinarily go to church came to church because they had a sense of being helpless. They had a sense of a need for a power that was greater than anything they could muster. And I would submit to you that not just the onset of World War II or afterwards, but this very moment marks one of those moments. Only a key difference between now and World War II and the onset was that in World War II, the prayer was for soldiers who were over an ocean in another part of the world, that they'd be safe and that there'd be an end to the war that was in in their hands. In this case, 
The soldier is you're looking at him. It's you and me. We are the ones who are called to do battle. And we do it by praying, and we also do it by being engaged as being God's heart in acting in particular ways, which we're going to learn in a brief moment from Peter Range. So this is Ignite 714. It seems maybe a little peculiar name. What's 714 mean? Well, you have the cards, and it's also on the lyric sheets, but let's just let our hearts be forged by this passage, which was given by God to a prophet at the time when the people of Israel were very much facing forces that were beyond their own power. And that passage is simply 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn their wicked ways from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So before my wife shares a brief story, who here knows that our world needs to be healed? That our land needs to be healed? Who here knows that our community needs to be healed? Who here knows that our families need to be healed? Our marriages, our own souls, we need to be healed. So let's open our hearts tonight to understand not simply that we need to be healed, but who can heal? So when we lived in Pennsylvania, we loved to tell the story of going to Niagara Falls quite a bit because it was close by. And we were blessed to have six children in seven years. So that looked like kids concentrate, right? And there was one time when we were at the falls and we were walking across the little walkway and the kids were so accustomed to the comments that people would make or ask questions, right, with that many littles. And across the walkway, our kids are lined up going and you see a mom and her teenage daughter and their eyes are like this and they're looking and you see them bopping their head and our daughter Annie, who was leading the line, said, there are six of us and Joseph, at the end of the line, said, and they're all ours. <laughs> so we refer back to this beautiful scripture, if my people, those first three words, in particular, the my, we know to whom we belong. And we need to reclaim that and proclaim it to all of those around us. So I began by asking who knows that we're in battle and is ready for battle. And we're beginning to understand that the troops that are being engaged are you and me, and the general is God. An important facet of that is understanding the shape of that battlefield. It's not just ethereal. And to help us understand that and to mobilize us is a tremendous leader that this community has known and uh, that we wholeheartedly back and um, want to understand more fully. Peter Range is the executive director of Ohio Right to Life Society. He's a very passionate, godly husband and father, and uh, we're very blessed. He could talk, by the way, and needs to probably share, and we have a radio program, by the way, Ignite Radio Live, if you want to hear a little more detail. But tonight he's going to give us a snapshot of the battlefield that we are facing. So please join me in welcoming and praying for, through the duration of tonight also, Peter Range. 
Thank you so much. It's great to be here with you tonight. Uh, I'm a husband and a father. It's the most important thing about me. Uh, my son, John Paul, is with me. So, John Paul, if you want to say hello. So, I've got a 6'4", two-year-old, and baby. Uh, John Paul is my four-year-old. I actually just turned five. So, uh, congratulations to John Paul. But I'm here more than CEO of Ohio Rights Life. I'm here just as a father fighting against this proposed amendment that's coming this year in the state of Ohio from the ACLU and Planned Parenthood. Um, this is an amendment which is going to eliminate parental rights here in the state of Ohio. So if you have a 14, a 15, or 16-year-old daughter who's seeking an abortion or even a sex change operation, it would take away your rights to be engaged or involved in that situation. It also provides immunity to teachers, soccer coaches in schools, if they take their 15 or 16-year-old soccer player to the abortion facility, they could do that without parental consent. That's what the ACLU is proposing here for the state of Ohio. Not only that, this particular amendment is going to allow for late-term abortions on demand through all nine months of pregnancy here in the state of Ohio. And it's going to eliminate any health and safety standards we have in our state for women who are even seeking any of these procedures. It's the most dangerous thing we have ever faced in our state. And this isn't just something that you can change in a couple years through a different legislator or get more pro-life politicians elected. This would be put into our state constitution. So a right to reproductive freedom would be enshrined in the state of Ohio. And look, we are a nation that is dying because we are killing our children. And we know that the devil seeks to kill, to destroy, to confuse, and to put ourselves in danger. And that's exactly what this amendment would do to our kids. I want my kids to grow up in a state where I'm engaged and involved in their lives and that the most important decisions that they're going to make about their bodies and their lives, that I have a chance to speak into that, but that would be taken away from me as a father unless we defeat this amendment. So I need your help. I need your assistance to fight back against this. Traveling the state of Ohio to talk to groups every single day um, to warn them about the dangers of this amendment. This has already passed in states like California, in Michigan, and New Hampshire. But now the pro-choice side, they're taking it here to a red state, the state of Ohio, and they want to win here. And this is the only state in 2023 that they have targeted. And they're doing that specifically because they want to come up with a roadmap with how to attack 11 more states in 2024. But if we can defeat it here in 2023, we can show the rest of the nation how you defeat this moving forward. So first and foremost, I'm asking everybody I speak to to pray in the spirit of 2 Chronicles 7.14 every morning at 7.14 a.m. So set your alarm on your phone and join us by just repeating and praying with this verse. And then every evening at 7.14 p.m. to pray this verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. We're in need of restoration. We're in need of healing. We're in need of revival in this state and in this country so deeply and so badly. And that's not going to happen without our prayer. So please join us in prayer every single day. Secondly, tonight before you leave, there's on the tables where you got your psalm sheets tonight. 
There are uh, flyers and information. Please take one of those home with you tonight. Sign up at protectwomenohio.com. This Friday, Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America is beginning their door-knocking campaign of 350,000 houses here in the state of Ohio. We need people to help out, uh, to volunteer here in Northwest Ohio, to go door-to-door, to let people know about the dangers of this particular amendment. So you can sign up at protectwomenohio.com. Just click that little volunteer button, and we'll be in touch with you. So pray, volunteer, use your hands and feet. And lastly, we need your financial assistance and financial help. So to run a week's worth of commercials, just in the um, Cuyahoga County, for example, where Cleveland is at, it's $516,000 for a week's worth of commercials. We need the ability to financially put our money into this fight so we can get the message out there. Google has already labeled the organization we began to fight this ballot initiative as a dark money organization. The other side is simply a group of grassroots activists fighting for reproductive freedom. But you Google Protect Women Ohio, which we began, and we're a dark money organization. We had a Cleveland.com reporter the other day yell at us and call us crazy Christians when we called her to correct her incorrect story. So we're not going to get a fair shake from big tech. We're not going to get a fair shake from the media. The only way we're going to be able to get the message out there about the dignity and value of the human person, about the dangers of this amendment, eliminating parental rights, is we have the financial capabilities to do so. So that means in the state of Ohio, we have to raise roughly $25 million to fight back against this amendment. It seems insurmountable to some ways. But my friends, God is moving. Just today, I met with Bishop Malesic of the Diocese of Cleveland. And I asked Bishop Malesic for a million dollars. Now, mind you, I've never asked anybody for a couple thousand dollars before, but I asked Bishop Malesic for a million dollars. And I said, to break it down for you, maybe if you can start with $200,000 before our June 30th filing deadline. And I said, please, take it to prayer. Had a bunch of thousands of people praying, literally, for this meeting. Two hours later, he texts me, where do I send the check? Here's $200,000. God is moving and he's raising up our shepherds, our bishops in the state of Ohio to respond to the challenge at hand. I'm asking each and every one of you, would you step up and respond to the challenge at hand? So there's also envelopes that you can take home tonight. Pray about what God is asking you to donate towards this campaign, whether it's $200,000 or $25. Every single bit we will commit to the defeat of this amendment. At the end of the day, fight with us and fight for these kids here. Fight for my kid. Fight for your kids. Fight for the parents so they have a right to raise their kids as they want to raise them. Because if we lose this, not only is it going to be 30,000 kids who will die in perpetuity here in the state of Ohio, but it's going to change our entire cultural attitude. It's going to change the way that we live here in our state If we don't repent, if we don't pray, if we don't give it all we have at this time period in history, I fear for what's to come, not only for our state, but for this nation. We serve a righteous God, a God of truth, a God of mercy, and his hand cannot stay when 60 million of his little ones have already been slaughtered. Fight for those kids and fight that 60 more million won't be dead because we did nothing. Thank you.
This is a providential moment, and one thing that punctuated that just two hours ago, as Stephanie and I have been praying about this with many people, uh, Stephanie got a text from Carol Phillips, who actually just left. She'll be back in a second. Got a, sent, sent us a text, and she has one of those flip scripture things every day, right? It's a new scripture. What's the likelihood that that particular passage would appear on this day? It came on this day, and she texted us the picture, which was very moving for me. This is a providential moment. God summoned you here, and now we move to the point of receiving the grace. We're going to have two movements in our prayer tonight. Stephanie punctuated the first one. If my people, that we personally become mindful that we belong to a loving God. So personal healing. The first prayer, and it's going to be in worship form, is heal me. God wants to heal us. He wants us to come before him. There's nothing around us that surpasses what God wants to do within us. I'll say that again. There's nothing around us that surpasses the power of what God wants to do within us. Then the second part of tonight will be a few worship songs that are going to be together united in a de in declaration kind of songs, kind of worship and praying together. How awesome to be before this structure, which we call the burning bush. It harkens back to the Moses days. And after we process with candles, in a second we're going to have candle procession up here and you're going to put them wherever you want. Right after that, we believe, as we have for over 2,000 years, that Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, is with us. And that he is going to be put in the monstrance, literally that word, you hear it in demonstrate. Jesus will be put in the monstrance and literally present with us, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And put on top of this burning bush, which will be symbolically a powerful image of all of our hearts, illuminating his as he illuminates our hearts here at the burning bush. And this will be our focal point, Jesus.